Hey, fitness humans, welcome to Wave Talks episode 13, lucky number 13. Today, we're talking about your fitness goals and what the difference is between performance-based goals and aesthetic-based goals. As well, we're going to be discussing the psychological factors that play into that. And we've got a really special guest with us to help us delve into that aspect of it. So let's get started because we've got a lot to cover. Hi, I'm Dee. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Cameron. And today we're joined by a very special guest. Fiona Jayachandran is a counselor who specializes in trauma and addiction and is kind enough to join us on the conversation today. Hello. Very, very pleased to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. So your background, as mentioned, is in trauma and addiction. Can you speak a little bit to that? Just give us a little little background of Fiona. Yeah, um, thanks. Um, so uh, I have been a counselor for uh, about 30 years. Um, and um, I started, uh, believe it or not, many, many, many moons ago in Yellowknife up in northern Canada. And I worked at a center for uh, women who were in violent relationships. And that was kind of the beginning of my career. And ever since then, I've had a really uh, wonderful variety of things that I've done. Uh, I've worked with youth. I, I've, uh, I've worked with couples. I've worked with the uh, queer community. Um, I volunteered in other countries. I've really, really had a very blessed career. Um, and when I moved to Vancouver from Calgary, um, I got a job in addiction because in that time they were having a lot of um, money being put into addiction. So then I, um, I interconnected the two together, my trauma background with the addiction, because the two often go hand in hand. Um, and I also um, work with people who have various mental health issues like depression, anxiety. Um, yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. This is exactly why we're super excited to have you here and have you bring all of that experience to our conversation. So thank you again for joining us. If you want to work with Fiona, you can reach her at her email address or on her Facebook page, which we'll provide with the description on this podcast episode. Awesome. Thank you. So with that, let's jump into this discussion. First of all, we should tell you that we are discussing mental health aspects as we believe that this is a crucial part of understanding your own goals and motivations. So there is a mild trigger warning that we're going to include at this point, just so you have reference in case anything does come up in our discussion that is triggering for you in terms of your goals or, or anything like that. And we're aiming to create the most steadfast understanding of what a goal means and how it affects you. So let's jump in. So at Three Wave Fitness, we believe that fitness isn't just physical, that there are so many other facets of our lives and our life that we tend to need in order to improve our fitness. So let's kind of delve into that and really understand what performance goals and aesthetic goals are, because these are two types of goals that you can make when you are choosing where you want to guide your energy in your fitness goals. 
So performance-based goals are generally considered to be intrinsic type goals. These goals are all about doing or chasing something that's personally meaningful to you or that will satisfy your core human needs to relatedness, competence, and autonomy. A great example of this would be a new skill that you want to learn how to do because it makes you feel good about yourself or it has a function within your life. Aesthetic-based goals are typically seen as more extrinsic goals. This is related to more external influences such as what you look like, money, fame, status, and it often requires validation from other people. Although, let's put a little bit of a disclaimer here. A lot of people have aesthetic-based goals because they want to look at themselves and feel good. This is still an aesthetic-based goal, but it's you looking at yourself versus you waiting for somebody else to validate you. So this is important to take into account during this discussion. Does that make it aesthetic intrinsic versus aesthetic extrinsic? You can have aesthetic goals that are intrinsic and extrinsic. Some people look for a certain type of pardon for me using the word again, look uh, for themselves. They want their legs or arms to look a specific way for them to feel good. Though you can also say that that might be driven by an external factor because they've seen what arms look like in a magazine and now they want that for themselves for themselves. But it's still looking for external validation in a different way. Where did, where, what about intrinsic performance goals? Where are you getting your validation from? That validation is coming from attaining a goal that was just for you, right? It's not something that uh, somebody can always see. But in some cases, people have performance-based goals with extrinsic value as well, right? They want somebody else to be able to see them performing it. So you can have both. It's just something that we need to take into account when we are goal setting. One thing that I feel about aesthetic goals is that, for example, let's say you want to have the body that looks a certain way is that we can get so caught up on that goal that we forget that our body is not just a thing. It's actually, you know, it's not just a thing we have, but it's actually our body is part of a whole lifestyle or a whole being. And so we just want to be careful that we don't start looking at ourselves in these sort of compartmentalized ways. Yes, and that's a huge part of, of how we do our work through Three Wave is that we believe fitness isn't just about how your body looks or just about your physical body. There are so many other facets to ourselves and to our lives that we can tend to in order to improve our overall fitness. So Fiona, when you bring up the idea that a lot of times setting goals almost, I guess to put it candidly, dehumanizes the self because you're saying the body becomes an object to be shaped versus part of your whole self. What are some of the factors you think that like have led us to this point that we are so able to disconnect from the body to be able to not necessarily respect the body as a part of the self? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. You could probably spend a whole po podcast on just that question alone mm -hmm. um, because there's so many ways that in particularly, uh, you know, I'm speaking from Western and non-Indigenous culture kind of point of view here, is that there's so many ways in our culture that has encouraged us to disconnect from our bodies in a way that allows us to be a whole human being, a multi-dimensional human being, where we're taught to sort of be more in our head and disconnected from our emotions and our body other than our body looking a certain way, not being in tune with our body, not being 
grounded, but just seeing it as more like a machine. So that kind of holistic viewpoint, I mean, we're starting to come back to that, but definitely that, that traditionally that has not been the way that we've been taught to be in the world. And, and, and traditionally, you know, things like the mind has been seen as way more important or way more praised and honored than the emotional self or the, the wisdom in our gut or the wisdom in our body. And I find it ironic, actually, that we reverse that loop when we decide that like we have achieved or not achieved a goal, right? So we treat our body as an object, we disconnect from it as as you've just discussed, but then we look at ourselves in the mirror and decide, oh well, this is now my point of reference for how I feel. This is I am I am good, I am bad. <laughs> I am the uh, success. Uh, I am. I don't know why I just sounded like Borat when oh, I said that. That's so true. We totally pull our self worth from our physical appearance, yet we dissociate from our physical self when it comes to goals. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. It's it's um, it's not even chicken and the egg. It's it's the like yin and the yang of like crappy self thinking, I guess, or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a clusterfuck, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and and I went to to, to university to, to to learn that that uh, diagnosis uh, clusterfuck, um, <laughs> um, which is why we have you here today, Fiona. <laughs> which is why you have me here today. Um, but what I'm really hearing, though, is that it's it's the external versus the internal. Like we are very focused on our bodies, but in an external way, what can it do? What can it perform? What can it look like? But mm-hmm. we've lost contact with really tuning in our into our the wisdom of our bodies on a more internal level. What you know? Am I hungry right now? Shall I listen to that rather than just plow through and do a work? You know, work right through lunch. Um, am I am I feeling sad right now? And maybe I need to reach out to a friend or um, am I tired and maybe I should stop scrolling and actually go to bed you know we don't really listen to that inner wisdom we're more looking to the outside do you think that sometimes people don't listen to that inner wisdom because they're tired frustrated like why do you think we don't listen to that inner wisdom yeah I think there's a lot of different reasons I mean some of it can come from our own life experiences, maybe even childhood experiences that have cut us off from that. But we're also kind of taught that that's that's not important wisdom, that it's actually not wisdom. We've been taught to value workaholism. We've been taught to value pushing through, um, you know, feel, I don't know if you say this anymore, but back in my day, we used to say, feel the burn. You know, like we've been taught to value this, this um, using our bodies like machines rather than uh, it, it's the same way that we treat the earth, right? Like we treat it like it's a it's a machine as opposed to a living, breathing being. And so when we have that more holistic approach, then we're way more likely to listen to that wisdom and then use it towards our goals. So then our goals are actually, I think, our goals are way more likely to be met if we use all the wisdom that's available to us. Mm-hmm. So this takes me actually back to a statement that I hear really, really often in the fitness industry, and that's the statement of no pain, no gain. And I really, really dislike it because it implies that you have to feel uncomfortable and terrible in order to get ahead in life. And I think that's a prominent viewpoint in a lot of westernized culture is that you're supposed to feel uncomfortable, frustrated and disconnected from your body and ignore cues, ignore everything in order to reach that goal neat 
So that brings me to another question for you then, Fiona. Do you think that physical health comes first or that mental health comes first? Do we have to order it? Do we do it simultaneously? What does that look like? Um, I, I think a lot of that too depends on what, how you define that. Um, is, is physical health how much you exercise or, or how much protein shakes you have or how you look in the mirror? Or is physical self, uh, uh, sorry, physical health, (laughs) um, how you take care of yourself, um, because, um, it's very difficult to have good mental health if you're not taking care of yourself on a physical health level. It's what I like to call with my clients, the foundation. Are you drinking your water? Are you getting your fresh air? Um, are you going to, to bed at a reasonable time? Um, you know, how much time are you spending on, on the screens? When we take care of ourselves on that real fundamental level, what we're doing is we're allowing our body and our brain and our mind to have as much resilience and strength as possible. Um, if we're trying to work on mental health, like let's say stress at work, or um, maybe we had a car accident uh, the week before, or whatever is happening, it's kind of hard, if not impossible, to work on the stress or the anxiety or the depression or the boredom if your body is not, um, if you're not helping your body to be working at its most optimal. And it can't work at its most optimal if you're not feeding it properly. Right here, right? So yeah, I I think that, you know, depending on how you define it, I think it's the physical health that's going to come first. However, having said that, it is kind of simultaneous as well, because we're not little robots that just kind of like do, okay, we do this, then we can just move into this. There's kind of like flow flowing back and forth. Yeah, well, and I think that kind of almost comes back to like the no pain, no gain thing is, you know, we think of, okay, I'm taking care of myself physically, so I'm doing my workout, but we often just go through our workouts on autopilot thinking we have to meet the reps and the sets and, you know, increase the weight that we're lifting and make progress week to week without realizing that those workouts are meant to help us care for us. So if we are experiencing these extra stresses, physical, mental, emotional, like we might not be able to meet those loads we ne- we might not be able to match the reps and sets and we might need a different kind of workout so that's where it is really important to to try to become aware of all those things going on inside ourselves and in our lives and to kind of use that to adjust where we're at with our physical abilities if that makes sense i really like that because like again that's that sort of holistic multi-dimensional approach right that it's not just this one focus like i get it like if you're in you know athletics then you, you got to get super super focused like i don't know if you work for the nhl or something and 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 and, I, and, in, and in fact i i kind of think that's sort of negative too and unhealthy but i get it but for the for the most part really what is needed in our lives is a multi-approach and is a sense of balance between all these different biospheres that make up a human person right and they all work together in synergy and if we just focus on the one the rest kind kind of fall by the wayside and in, and in the end that one focus will also eventually fall by the wayside because it, it's not sustainable so we need that if you were really very serious about getting those reps in or strengthening yourself or running that marathon then you need to have that full approach if you want it to be sustainable so this is actually something that comes up with my client base quite often where 
you know, there's a goal that's been set. And when there's a lack of ability to achieve that goal because their focus has to go towards something else, they start to feel like a failure. It starts to affect their self-esteem. So I'm really finding that self-esteem is connected to goals. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think it's our self-esteem? Do you think it's something else? Yeah, I think that our self-esteem can be impacted by whether we achieve our goals or not if our self-esteem if we have developed in such a way that our self-esteem is connected to 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 that so i get the goal my self-esteem goes up i don't get the goal my self-esteem goes down and so i'm like kind of like up and down up and down and so i am externally my my locus of control is external that that means that i'm completely dependent i have given away my power to whether i give get these goals met or not. Ideally, what we want to have is that our self-esteem comes from a kind of a variety of places, including within ourselves. It comes from the, the, our support system. It comes from our goals. It comes from our how we feel about ourselves. It comes from a variety of places so that it's not dependent on just whether I've achieved the goal or not. And so, I mean, if you want to keep living in that kind of yo-yo sort of teeter-totter up and down way, I mean, you know, fair enough. You have the choice. But my guess is that that's, that's quite painful and causes a lot of emotional suffering. And so how much better would be is if you could get your self-esteem your and uh, your sense of self-worth from a variety of places inside of you. The thing is, though, is that getting it from inside of you can work. Like it can take a bit of effort. It doesn't just uh, ne- necessarily come naturally. It, a lot of it will depend on your life experiences, what kinds of messages you were taught maybe growing up or from your relationships. Um there can be um, various unhealthy um, sort of negative coping skills that you may have developed, such as the way you talk to yourself. Um, you know, you could do a uh, hundred, a thousand reps of something and, and have accomplished your goal a hundred times, a million times. But if your negative self-talk is saying you're just a, you know, a piece of shit, then none of that is going to matter. Right? Mm-hmm. It's going to con- continually undermine you. So you have to, I, I believe, you get those underlying things as well to be able to get to, to, to grow self esteem from within you. I know that was kind of a lot of information. So well, that was fantastic. <laughs> so then, what you're telling me is that I shouldn't look at shampoo commercials and decide that my hair should be as glorious as the hair of the shampoo model essentially oh like because i don't have any hair well you do just <laughs> not on your head don't get me started with media and, and, and advertisements and movies and all that kind of and tiktok and i mean that's a whole other ball game of how it can really impact how we feel about ourselves um and how many likes you get you know and how many uh, thumbs up you get and that's that's I mean it, it is a big part of um, modern life that that also has a big impact on us and how we feel about ourselves right and if we vector that back towards the idea of uh, goal setting then it to me seems like it's very quickly able to go to that shall we say unhealthy place but if you had a short statement to give to the world to say, like, this is how you know 
your goal has gone to an unhealthy place, what would that be? Like, would, would you have something like that? Is it able to be condensed down to <laughs> something as, as, as simple? But like, 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 what are some indications that you've, you've gone to that unhealthy place? So I, I, I think that you've got the wrong guest if you're going to ask for short sentences. Um, <laughs> it's the wrong host as well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we got um, the perfect but couple in here. <laughs> um, but there are, definite, there are definitely indicators. Um, again, uh, it's going to be um, individualistic because everyone's different and unique, right? But there's some general ones that you can kind of keep your eye out for. Um, what is your self-talk like? Um, that can be really quite an interesting exercise to kind of bring some of it. Because self-talk can often just be like elevator music playing at the back of your mind. It's like always happening, but you're not really listening to it. And to bring it to the forefront and actually look at it and examine it, it can be a very interesting and informative exercise um, or illuminating for yourself because then you'll be able to, because then you're kind of being more mindful about it, right? And then you'll notice whether it's becoming more negative than it was before or new negative. Uh, that can be an indication if you're starting to should and shit on yourself more. Um, are Sorry, you did you just say you, you're starting <laughs> to should and should on yourself? Did you say shit on yourself? Should or shit on yourself. They're kind <laughs> oh my of gosh, they're, that's amazing. They're kind of similar. That's, that's kind of an interesting test of flexibility. If you, you just blew my mind. Yourself. I just, I just shit it all over myself. <laughs> I should have shit all over myself. No, don't. We do, no. we do. No. Should have should should should. As soon as you start hearing that word happening a lot in your head, you know uh, something's probably going smelling funky here. <laughs> Yeah, to me, it can be, I mean, it's not like it's the, it's a bad word, but if you say it a lot to yourself, it can really, again, undermine your self-esteem and your sense of self-worth. You should, you should. I mean, think about if somebody says to you, kind of points a finger at you and says, you should, what's the first response? Usually your first response is F off, right? Like you're just gonna, you're just gonna resist that. So if you're shooting yourself, you're, res you're also, you're saying you should do those reps. You should get up in the morning. You're just resist. You're going to actually resist that voice. It's actually not going to motivate you. It's actually interesting that you say that because I've been thinking a lot about should in this past year because with the pandemic, there's all these things that I felt like I should be accomplishing at this point in my life. And there's a lot of guilt associated with those goals. Do you think the pandemic has really affected people this year and how they goal set and how they feel about goals? Are people shitting on themselves Are more? People shitting all over themselves. Oh, actually, I mean, you laugh because it sounds so funny, but it's true. I'm, I, I kid you not. Like this pandemic, it's a great question, but I do want to circle back to answering the other question. That, but it is, it is definitely impacted people negatively on every level, from the really intense to losing people you love, your job, to. Um, the less intense, but just as impactful, like not being able to go to your grade 12 grad, um, you know, not being able to go on that trip that you had planned and saved up for. Um, definitely the people that I'm seeing in my private practice, there's been an incredible increase in stress, um, grief, um, and, and this is another 
another piece of the puzzle when we're setting our goals and trying to attain goals is what else is happening in our lives it's not only what's happening inside like say negative self-talk but also what's happening in our lives if i have the flu i'm way less likely to be able to get up and run my 10k that morning when i'm going through you know, a really super stressful time at work, I'm having a really hard time sleeping at night. So then I'm going to be having a hard time getting up the next morning. And it doesn't mean that it's an excuse to just not do anything. But it just means that we, we take those things into consideration when we're setting our goals. Um, and that those have though those do have an impact on us. So just to circle back to that other question about, you know, how do you know if your goal has gone to an unhealthy place? Besides maybe an increase in negative self-talk, there are um, other things that can really show that is, are you feeling what I call toxic shame? Yeah, so if I don't do a workout uh, and I just say, oh, that was a mistake, you know, I should have, you know, okay, I should have, <laughs> I should have done that. Um, you know, you might feel guilty, you might feel disappointment, but that's doable. But when you say, oh, I didn't do that workout, I'm a bad person. Now you're making your goals, whether you achieve your goals or not, actually say something about who you are as a person. And that is, um, that's toxic shame. That's just not, that's not just natural guilt. That's toxic shame that can really eat away at you. Um, another, another indication can be balance. How is your life? I mean, nobody's life is in perfect balance, but how much out of balance are you? Is, are you so focused and uh, or over focused on this goal that you've now gotten out of balance in your other parts of your life are you neglecting your relationships are you neglecting your own self-care are you neglect are you procrastinating on other things other important things in your life that could be an indication and and um there's lots of indications but lastly i'll just say one more so are you feeling depleted rather than energized by your goals or by even the completion of your goals that also can be an indicator. It's it's actually interesting that you talk about feeling energized by goals and excited by goals and that they're not overtaking other aspects of your life. I know for myself, definitely, I've been in that place where all of a sudden I felt crippled by my goals. There was just so many and I felt I couldn't attain any of them or even one of them and then did not feel energized by them whatsoever. It was just anxiety around these goals that I felt crippled by. It's interesting how something can transition so quickly. You go from a place where you really, really love what you're doing and then all of a sudden you just feel exhausted by it. Yeah, that's actually an interesting, interesting question is like, <laughs> why, why is it that when like, if, if, if society presents us with a buffet of options for goals that like we think we should be setting for ourselves, and we always see so many things that are like, yeah, that would be awesome for me. And yeah, that would also be awesome for me. And yeah, that would also be awesome for me. Why do people like Jess and I always decide to do all of them at once? <laughs> I want it all. And I want it now. Right? Like like I mean like that's that's kind of like intrinsic extrinsic because it's like an extrinsic force that's 
um, like you know, that's that's like kind of offering all of these things, but it's an intrinsic force that's making me go like, I want it all. Like, oh well, my god, these are all amazing. I should do them all right now. Just like Fiona said earlier, she said sometimes that relates to things that you've learned or experienced when you were younger. And I right. know for me, it's my need to please people. So I want to make sure that I accomplish all of these goals and things that have been asked of me because I want to be that person. Bam! You've been therapized. <sighs> It was free, too. (laughs) (laughs) First one free. You know, you speak to it. uh, Yeah, you speak to a point, really, really important point there, is that when we start to have these feelings of, oh, I want it all, or why do I always fail, or... Uh, or they're not, they're not feeling, sorry, thoughts. I always uh, like to pause and go, well, let's look at that thought. What's really going on underneath that thought? What are the... the emotions, you know, of course, I am a counselor, so I'm going to ask these kinds of questions. What are the emotions that are attached to those thoughts? And what are the unmet needs? So in the case of Jess, the unmet need was to to please people and to feel safe and to feel comfortable. Um, And so the underlying need isn't wrong. Um, It's how are you getting those needs met? And are you only depending on one thing to get those needs met? Um, so that's kind of like more of looking at the un- some underlying p- potential or possible underlying issues that might be going on. You mentioned failure. So with all this context you're giving us, where does our sense of failure come from and why are we so afraid of it? Wow. Big questions. Big life questions. <laughs> um, one of the things that I... Uh, don't like about the word or not the word failure but the way that we look at the at that um that concept is that it's seen as a bad thing um and yet we've seen throughout history that actually failure is the one of the key things that that actually motivates humans to to keep trying to be persistent to be stubborn to get more creative to think outside the box um Failure in and of itself is not a bad thing. It it um, it's just it's part of the journey, right? It's part of the process of us um, attaining our goals. Um, why are we be afraid of it? Well, um, if it is attached to our worth, then basically when we quote unquote fail, then that is telling us where we we put a meaning to that. And so those meanings can be, oh, I'm a bad person, or there's mm-hmm. something wrong with me, or I'm not worthy, or I'm not good enough. And when we start putting those kinds of negative meanings to to outcome, um, then of course, who wants to feel that, right? Like, of course, we're going to do what it what it what it takes to to try to avoid that. Um, Fiona, I don't know if you were getting to this, but when we brought up the question, like before we started recording, when we brought up that question, you mentioned like redefining failure. So it would be cool if, if um, you could bring up that point. It sounded like you were getting there. but It's more, it's not so much redefining failure. It's redefining the meaning that we put on failure. Is mm-hmm. the meaning, if I fail, then is the meaning I'm putting on it that, I, that I'm, uh, I'm a loser? Uh, that's not a really great meaning to put on failure or can we put can we reframe it or redefine it and look at it as oh okay so I kind of effed up there so what's next what can I do differently or you know maybe I need some um some a support system around this maybe I need a a buddy um 
Maybe I need to go and talk to somebody about it. Maybe I need to relook at it. Maybe I've set my expectations a bit too high this time round. Um, so it's more about using it as, I guess, a learning stepping stone mm-hmm. rather than, oh, this must mean I'm a loser. And I think that's something that people forget when they generate a goal and they feel that they haven't achieved their goal. They just go straight to failure and self-worth uh, you know, looking at their self-worth and how it isn't what they expected it to be, instead of seeing that as a learning experience, like you said, reevaluating their expectations, reevaluating what's happening in their life at the same time. Is this a realistic goal for me at this time and point in my life, right? That's not something that people think about as much when they're goal setting. They just set a goal and they go with it. I love that word reevaluation because I think that's exactly what uh, failure or so-called fail um, can do is to have us just take that. And this is where that mindfulness and listening to our, our body wisdom comes back into play, right? Is that we take that breath, we kind of sit back and go, huh, what what's up here? What's actually going on? What not working? And the answer is never it's not working because there's something intrinsically wrong with me. I'm a loser. I'm a bad person. I'm an idiot, which we often say about ourselves. That is never the answer. The answer is something else or maybe a combination of things. Maybe I'm de-skilled. Maybe I, I didn't know enough and I need to go back to the drawing board and learn a little bit more. Um, there's, uh, it, But it's never that, oh, there's just... Because when we say that it's because of us, like there's just something wrong with me, then basically it stops you in your tracks. It kind of disempowers you. But when you say, maybe I need to kind of tweak my expectation or maybe I need to learn something else or maybe I need to go back down to 10 reps rather than 20, then you're, you're empowering yourself because that's something practical that you can actually change. You know, and I think the hard thing is that that's not always an easy thing to do in the moment because it does take that moment to look inside yourself where it might be some realizations that you're avoiding and don't really want to find out about. So it can sometimes feel easier just to push on and kind of go forward in the name of that goal regardless of what it's doing to you? Definitely. I mean, if we're using uh, that particular goal as a way to avoid looking at ourselves, looking or or feeling our emotions, um, it's now become a coping mechanism. And you have a right to that coping mechanism if that's what you need to do in the moment or for a time in your life, fair enough. But when it starts to become your go-to coping mechanism throughout your life, you might be missing out on a lot of happiness and you might be creating more suffering for yourself. So then if we are looping this back to kind of practical things, what would you what would you say are some key tips that you would suggest when people are looking at like setting a goal, whether, I mean, whether it's fitness or life or otherwise, I guess. I don't know if fitness and life are actually opposites, but in the case of this particular podcast and the subject that we're discussing, we have kind of broached both sides. So I just want to draw attention to that. But you, what, what would be some, what, what would be some good tips that you would throw out there for the general public in terms of goal setting for physical, mental, or emotional health? Yeah. Um, one, one thing that comes to mind is what part of your brain are you making these goals from? And what I mean by that is 
um, in in very, uh, you know, if you're a, a brain expert out there, please don't um, make a comment about Fiona just didn't de- describe the brain properly. I'm keeping this super simple. Um, that uh, there's a part of our brain that tends to be sort of about protection and safety, and that's kind of the the traditional fight, flight, or freeze part of our brain that's just um, trying to uh, make ourselves feel better um, through. Um, through anxiety or through... Um, Did you just say trying to make yourself feel better through anxiety? Yeah. Wow. What? Is that a thing? What? <laughs> Did I not make any sense? <laughs> I mean, like, anxiety, I've, like, just speaking I, from experience, I don't... I don't feel better. Yeah, but, like, it's it's an interesting... Co- I'm, I'm certainly not denying it, but, like, that, I think, like, what? That's the whole point is that that part of your brain doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. When you're actually in danger, it makes sense. It does whatever it takes to keep you safe. But when you're not in danger, it'll stop, sometimes act out and kind of fool, like kind of um, fool you by by making you think that these kinds of negative behaviors are going to help. So if you make your if, mm. if you make your goal from that part of your brain, then you're probably going to make a goal that's not going to work very well for you because it's based on your fight, flight, or freeze part of your brain. But if you make a goal from your, um, your prefrontal cortex or your executive brain, um, then it's probably going to be a lot more realistic and grounded and um, relevant to you. And so a way to do that um, is to, to, to practice some, um, to, to practice being present and mindful. And I'm not talking about meditation here. I'm talking about something that can literally take 10 or 20 seconds. Just throughout your day, you just pause, take a breath, and just notice what's happening in your body. That's it. No judgment, no anal- analyzing, uh, no figuring it out. You just notice. And when we start practicing this, we start to uh, get way more in touch with not only our mind's wisdom, but also our body's wisdom and our emotions wisdom. And then if we're making goals from that place, they're going to be way more realistic and, and achievable. I don't know. Does that make sense at all? Does that? Yes, that, that makes perfect sense. And the funny thing is like, it's kind of mind-blowing to think that we would make decisions from those two different parts but um, having those tools to help figure out where those goals are coming from can make sure we are making those goals that will help us find balance in our lives and really take care of ourselves holistically one of the really good things that come out of um, out of, psychologically out of uh, achieving a goal is that we can really feel good about ourselves, right? We can feel a sense of pride. Um, it can really motivate us to like keep going, um, to set new goals, um, and um, th- this is. And it, it can release dopamine. Um, it can give us a sense of pleasure, focus, all kinds of really good stuff. Um, the problem that can happen, though, is that we can kind of get a bit of a distorted um, way of looking at our successes and failures, where we have a failure and we just we just lose it. We're over the top about the failure. Oh, my God, I'm such a this and I'm such a that and da-da-da-da-da. And then when we do have a success, we don't go over the top with recognizing it. We're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, I did that, but... 
you know, but I didn't do this. Um, and so we tend to, we, we can, um, we want to be careful about not minimizing or uh, our successes and then maximizing our failures because that gives us a real distorted view of, of how we're doing in, in, in the world and in life. This has been a pretty expansive discussion going like way beyond what we as coaches do in terms of making programs for clients and coaching our clients. But it does help us kind of bring out some considerations when helping clients or for clients yourselves when setting a goal what do you do how do you make sure we're hitting all these boxes how do we make sure we're finding balance taking care of ourselves acknowledging what that failure means and what it means going forward what do we do some things to consider are where are you at in your goal are you at a point where you need to reevaluate your program reevaluate your nutrition Focus on something else for a week, other hobbies. Do you need to deload or change your activities? Do you need to talk to a coach? Do you need somebody to help you reach that next step towards your goal or guide you in a different direction? We also really recommend doing the five-minute check. This is where you spend five minutes thinking about all aspects of your health. How am I feeling about everything right now? How is everything going? Do I need to reevaluate my direction based on my five minute check. I think too, uh, the other thing we can add to that is, do you need to talk to somebody like Fiona? Because a lot of times the blocks that we get psychologically around our goals, uh, fitness-based and health-based also are like big mental challenges that, that need to kind of get related to the rest of what's going on in your life and potentially unfurled with the assistance of somebody as kind and generous of time and spirit as Fiona is. Wow, that was so nice. <laughs> Thank you. And I, 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 um, I want to piggyback on that just a little tiny bit that, you know, sometimes people think that, oh, going to counseling must mean that, oh, it's because I've had a big trauma or there's a big, huge, massive stressor or big grief that's happening in my life. And actually, I get a lot of people who are coming in without necessarily those big, massive things going on. They're maybe struggling uh, in, at university or um, with uh, um, trying to make decisions in their lives about big choices. Um trying to adjust to maybe moving um, to a new province or a new country. So um, really, um, I mean, of course, I'm biased because I'm a counselor, but I really believe that um, going and talking to somebody and um, a sort of a neutral third person can be super helpful um, around all kinds of things in life. I think, too, that it's also worth noting that one of the biggest changes in professional sports and I know you were kind of only referring weirdly to I think hockey and then um, <laughs> gently putting it down uh, and I'm not a hockey fan myself so I will tend to agree with you but you know I do follow a lot of soccer and and one of the biggest changes over the last say 15 years in soccer training is that it's almost mandatory for high-level soccer players to speak to uh, some form of either a sports therapist or a like regular counselor or therapist because 
a lot of times that affects their performance on the, in this case, the field. And so it's not outside of a reasonable suggestion at all to say, hey, you regular human being with your performance goals, your aesthetic goals, your what have you, you need to go talk to somebody, A, to, to check in and make sure that these are kind of, you know, on the up and up for your own, own mental health. But also, you might have the accidental uh, benefit of, of sorting some other stuff out in your life, too. Uh, or so. finding someone to join your podcast. Or finding someone to join your and podcast. Just a sidebar. It's so common for people to go seek out a professional for so many different things. You get a plumber for plumbing. You get an electrician for electrical. You ask a coach or a fitness coach to help you with your body. But so commonly people will not get help when it comes to communication and their mind. It's just another tool and professional for your toolbox. It's such a valuable resource that is available and people should use it more often. The plumber helps with hey. your shitting. The therapist helps with your shooting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to use that on my next business, <laughs> my next set of business cards. Please I love do. It. Thank you. Fiona, do you have any lovely, wise last words for us after all that you've already shared? Well, I really like um, some of your practical kind of steps um, when you're looking at goals. And uh, when I was looking up stuff around goals before this podcast, I found this um, one article that talked about to look at your why, why this goal and what excites you about this goal. And then the thing that I would, would add to that uh, on my own level is, and what blocks you from this goal? Because when you start to look at those underlying blocks then you're way, and, and address those, then you're way more likely to get to your goal. That is amazing. We didn't even expect this podcast to be half as interesting as it was, and it is absolutely a credit to your participation in it, Fiona, that we have such a phenomenal podcast to release to all of the fitness humans today. So thank you so much for your participation, your wise words, and the kindness of spirit and time that you have given us today. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This was so much fun. This is my first podcast ever um and so you rocked in the it. comments <laughs> um but yeah thank you so much i really really enjoyed this uh fiona just one last thing do you want to share your email and your facebook page right now we'll also include it but if you want to say it that would be great absolutely yeah so my email is a gmail account so it's my first name uh, all one word, small letters, and the first three letters of my very long last name. So that's Fiona J, F I O N A J E Y at gmail.com. And I also have a Facebook page under Fiona J, all one word, counseling. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on podcast number Lucky 13. You have been phenomenal and we are excited that you have listened to the entire podcast if you have any questions don't hesitate to reach out to us or fiona all of our connections are in the description below also join us on patreon and connect with us on all of the social platforms 
and have a fitness human day.